Hello, welcome to Throwing Light. My name is Brandy Walker. This is episode 65, Following Your Own Lead. Hello, hello. How are you doing today? I'm recording this on Sunday, May 10th, 2020, which is also Mother's Day. If you are a mother of any kind, I wish you the happiest of days. If you have a mother of any kind, I wish you love and I wish um, her or him love. <laughs> um... Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I've been thinking a lot. This is totally off topic for what this particular podcast is going to be about. But I've been working with the the I've been working with archetypes. I've been learning about archetypes. Very fascinating. Is like Jungian Jungian psychology. Carl Jung and the mother archetype is definitely among like my uh, according to some theorists, we have 12 archetypes. This is a Caroline Miss talks about this in Sacred Contracts. And we have like our, we have like the ones that are universal. Everybody has like these specific four. And then we have eight that are kind of unique to us. And then I've also heard about people talking about how we are presented with the opportunity right now to create um, new archetypes for ourselves and new um, new stories. So anyway, the mother archetype is definitely one of my 12. And I've been thinking, I've been working with in meditations, the divine, like Mother Mary, the Virgin Mary and Mary Magdalene. I've always felt like a connection. It's always kind of felt like they're connected, they're together for me. And so anyway, that has nothing to do with anything except that I always invite you to play with um, whatever archetypes or imagery or past or present people or uh, avatars. I don't know what, what, you know, archetypes, I guess, that are helpful to you. And um, yeah, so that's been really interesting to me and, and just connecting. And, you know, I think that I think about, so I meditate and in my meditations, I connect with different beings and I believe that in large part those beings are universal and they're all they're all a part of who I am so it's not like it's not exactly like I'm I'm actually connecting with the Virgin Mary although I could be it's not exactly like I'm connecting with whomever I'm connecting with it's this part of me it's my higher self it's it's a piece of me and a way to imagine things in such a way that I can receive wisdom. So anyway, that's been helpful for me. Um, Let's get on with the show, right? So following your own lead. I was playing with these words. So follow my lead, follow your lead, following your own lead. And what that really means is trusting 
Do you hear my baby? She's being ridiculous. I feel like she waits until I try to record a podcast to to sing. <laughs> um, owning your truth, owning your inner wisdom, connecting with that part of you that is eternal, uh, as we talked about last week, no, two weeks ago, immortal. Amanda Flaker talks about uh, your creative urge and she brought up this idea of like people are afraid to like follow their urge and your urge will always lead you toward life. It will always lead you towards expansion, towards um, goodness and wholeness and restoration. And those are my words, not hers, but I, I really believe that. And that just, that rang so true for me. So um, we, we are afraid to trust our intuition. We are afraid to trust our, our own expertise. And discernment is very important. Um, and I think that we do, we I think that we learn to do that by doing the inner work, by doing this, the self reflection. Um, and then by seeing like how it happens. Like, so if, if I tr- go down this path, and it doesn't work out, then okay. <laughs> um, then maybe maybe I can turn and go another way, and maybe it doesn't mean that I'm a horrible person, or that even or even that I've done something horrible. Maybe it just means that that was not a good path for me, and I can go a different way. So I have I have seven ways, seven thoughts, seven ideas that will help you follow your own lead. And so I'm going to share them with you. The first one is also an idea that comes from Amanda Flaker, and it's the idea, and I don't know if I've brought this up before, but it's the idea that there are infinite realities, infinite possibilities. So Amanda Flaker talks about the lack matrix versus the abundance matrix. So the lack matrix says that you it's this or that. It's if you want this, then you have to sacrifice something in order to get it. It's the idea. It's um, once upon a time, magic comes with a pr- always comes with a price. The abundance matrix is not that everything is wonderful and blissful and and amazing. It is, but it's also everything else. And uh, the abundance matrix is really the idea that we live in a multi-dimensional universe. We are seeing one tiny piece of it. And, and that's what we experience as reality. And our reality is just that. It's, it's our reality. And if we can if we can trust in the fact that what is true for me may not be true for anyone else or everyone else, that's a huge leap. I feel like that's a huge leap, but it's also like really freeing. And I'm going to, as I get into the other, the other things, I'm going to come back to this. So we'll leave that there for a second and kind of delve into the other, the other things. So the second one is the experts can only 
get you so far? And I've been thinking about this a lot because I am a person who loves an expert. I, you know, I was trained as a social worker. I, we are trained to look for what is evident, quote unquote, evidence-based. We are trained to look for studies. And for a long time, what I thought was, for a long time, up until probably recently, what I thought was that I wanted to combine the evidence-based stuff with the woo-woo spiritual stuff and create a private practice that melded both of those together. And that's not, that's not, not what I want to do now, but... What I guess I'm learning is that what the experts say is wildly conflicting and confusing and and I feel like we know so very little about the nature of the universe. And so I I feel really skeptical when people who can only see one piece, they take one study or they take even 10 studies, and they say, well, this clearly means this. But when I look at that, I know that I've tried that. So this is an example. So this equals this, right? So the experts say that this is the way it is, but then I try that and it doesn't work for me. And I feel like, um, oh, somebody's beeping. Um, I feel like what I've learned and I, and I'm, you know, I'm raised in a, I was raised in a society that taught me to fall in line, right? That taught all of us to like, listen to what we're told and to take social cues and to, um, to, to listen to the experts. And, and then as I went down different rabbit trails, rabbit holes, whatever rabbits, wherever rabbits go, um, what I realized throughout my life is that, that, that the experts sometimes have an agenda and, um, and they don't have my best interest at heart. And even if they don't have an agenda, even if they are coming from a place that is pure and with the desire to, to uphold, you know, my health and wellness or whatever it is that we're working on to the highest degree, what they say might not work for me. And it's okay for me to say that's a great thing for somebody else, but that's not my path. And, you know, I think that we all experience this to some degree in different parts of our life, and we all assert our agency over, you know, a different periods. Um, when I had my son in 2011, home birth was absolutely the best thing for me at that time. And I got a lot of people telling me that it was dangerous, that it was, that I was putting myself at risk, that I was putting my kid at risk, that it wasn't a good thing. And ultimately that wasn't true. And it was, it was really, really good for me. Uh, you know, Eight years later, when I have my baby last year, I didn't feel as comfortable having a home birth and nothing about home birth had changed and it didn't feel right. 
And so I didn't do it. And I don't know that, I mean, my birth had no complications. My It actually went better than the last time because in part I trusted my body more and trusted that intuitive wisdom, that ancient wisdom. But it, But I was glad to be in a hospital. And I didn't love everything that the hospital was saying, but I felt stronger in myself to be able to take what, you know, different experts in the, that I was around had to say and to still do what was right for me and my baby. So that's one example. There's so many things where we fall back on experts and we use them almost as a, as a crutch or an excuse be, so we don't have to do the inner work because we're afraid that we can't trust ourselves. And I'm going to get into that in just a moment. But number three, and this is this is really the core of, of what this whole thing is about. And it's a really powerful and difficult exercise. And for me, it has been radical and important. And it's to feel what's true for you. And I'm not, I haven't mastered it yet. This in large part, like everything that I'm saying, I'm this is not me coming to you as an expert. <laughs> this is me sharing my life experience and and this is where I'm at now and this is what I'm kind of playing with. But feeling what's true is so if there are a multitude of realities, infinite possibilities for what is actually going on for anything at any given moment, then I have to decide which of them fits works for me and that can be overwhelming if if I start from there are a multitude of um, possibilities there are thousands of realities everything exists which I, ha- I know I have talked about that it doesn't have to be like there are infinite possibilities or there's either this or that um, the only way I know how to do that is to feel it in my body. So if I'm thinking about what is true about, if I have questions about the dominant story, what people are telling me about anything or everything that's going on, um, just taking pieces of it, does that feel true? When When I think about it, when I turn over that thought, What kind of happens in my body? Because our bodies are so freaking good at giving us messages, at telling the truth. And so if we can get really good at listening, then that's that's our barometer. That's how we follow our own lead. And to do that, that brings me to number four. And I think this is a thing that is really coming up in our world today and um, it's to trust yourself and by extension or the flip side of that is to trust others. Um, When I graduated my master's, so that was about a year ago, um, I started working with a life coach and I'll leave her, I think I've talked about her in past episodes, but she's really great. I highly recommend her. And she was helping me clear some blocks that I had through um, EFT tapping, which I've also talked about in the past. And if you, and I'll leave, I'll leave some information about it 
great practice. It's a really good way to like clear the the negative self-talk, right? So what came up for me so much last year was this idea that I didn't even realize until I started working with her that I don't, I didn't at that point in time trust myself. And I think I did know it to some degree, but I didn't have like a, like I didn't know that was like one of the main things I could be working on. And like I really didn't trust myself. Uh, And that manifested in different ways that I didn't know that that had anything to do with with trusting myself, but fears that I had, um, anger that I had, shame that I had, was because I had made mistakes as when I was younger, and I had never forgiven myself, and and so I I carried that stuff with me, and every time I thought about doing X, Y, and Z. This this block would come up and I just couldn't do it. And I didn't realize until I started working with her that like that block was that I didn't trust myself. And it's something that, I mean, the things that we have to work through are cyclical. So it's stuff that still comes up today. Like I'm not like cured. <laughs> um, but learning to trust myself and learning to trust my own truth has brought me so much um, peace of mind (laughs) because I'm not at war with myself. And the other side, like the reason why I say the other side of the corn is others. Like if you, so I think not trusting ourselves manifests in two different ways. So either we super don't trust other people. And the reason we don't trust other people is because we don't trust ourselves we think at our core we're bad or we don't trust ourselves. And so we're trying, what I was trying to do was protect myself, protect other people from the, the evilness that I thought like was, you know, what I was afraid was at my core. And, um, and I think that that came about because of various messages that I received in different systems and paradigms and, and institutions I don't blame myself for that, but it was something that I had to work through. Um, but if we begin to do that work and we begin to trust ourselves, and you, like I said, I think you can do that with, I think EFT is an incredible practice. I think, you know, working with a life coach or a therapist or I think past life meditation, all of those things are like, I can get at those beliefs. And um, and then once once we do that, once we trust ourselves and we start to trust other people, then like everything, everything can shift because we're not afraid anymore. Um, and, um, and then it kind of brings me to number five, which is resist the temptation. <laughs> to convince anybody else of your truth. And I've been thinking about this a lot um, for a long time, and I think still I aligned most with the liberal progressive left side of things, right? 
But what feels really off to me right now is that we have this sense of righteousness. We have this sense of we are doing this because it is the right thing to do. And so because of that, we don't have to be decent people about it. So we use social shaming. We use memes that I think dehumanize or could dehumanize. We just are mean. <laughs> and um, and we have this this desire that seems like it never like never like ends to convince other people that they are wrong and we are right. And um I mean it makes a lot of sense and it's not helpful at all because what we know of like how at least I mean and I talk about this because this is this is something that because we live in such a society that's that we get information most of our information most of our news from social media that's how we do it right so we keep each other in line by shaming other people by eliminating their ability to like it's not public discourse because we can't have a conversation because we feel like um, we're right and there's no other there's no other way um, to be to believe and um, and I think that absolutely could be true in some situations um, but uh, if it is then that truth will like win out right eventually and um we don't have to convince anybody of 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 anything and i wonder what what our online world could look like if everybody let everybody have their own opinion and disagreed with respect and love. I think that we have to be careful not to dehumanize anybody, even those people who we feel have missed the mark completely and utterly and entirely. Um, because at the end of the day, that's, that's not our job. Like, our job, our purpose, our reason for being here, I don't think it's ever to convince anybody else. I don't think it's ever to shame anybody into doing what we think they should be doing. And I think that actually, and I know it comes from a place of love. I know it comes from a place of like wanting justice, but I think it's really counterproductive. So if we resist that temptation, and it doesn't mean we can't disagree, it doesn't mean we can't, can't have conversations, but we can do it in a way that's not memeing or mean. <laughs> um, I didn't know how else to say that. I wanted to think of something clever, but I don't think it worked out. Um, okay, and number six, and this is the flip side of that. Ask 
asking ourselves, am I doing this because I feel like I'm supposed to or because it's what is expected of me or because my tribe, whether that's um, Christians or progressives or Americans or whoever, is that what XYZ do? I think that there are exceptions to this rule. There are exceptions to every rule. And I think that there are times uh, – well, let me back up. So I think there are exceptions to this rule because I think that sometimes um, when we – sometimes we can go along and do something out of respect and um, uh, appreciation for other people um, and love, or we can do it because it's the law and – following that law is not is not harming me so sometimes we have to do things we don't want to do uh because of different reasons right um but sometimes we don't and sometimes it's important that we don't sometimes it's important that we um without using any words um do something else that is true for us and that is um, the best for us. And I think that that's a very, it's an individual thing. It's something that you have to kind of come to, uh, you have to kind of come to terms on that on your own and figure out like, okay, am I doing this because it's what is expected of me? Okay. Yes, I am. Next question is, as I'm doing this, is it, am I hurting myself or others? Am I helping others or myself? Um, and then, you know, kind of follow that, follow those questions where they, where they lead. And, um, and in that way, um, decide, and you're not making the decision out of fear, guilt, or shame. You're making the decision out of consciousness, thoughtfulness, and respect for yourself and others. And then this last thing is, uh, so once you find what's true for you, once you feel it out, you've come to a place of discernment where you feel like, okay, this is what my urge is leading me towards. And, and I think I'm going to try it. So, so try it on and see what happens and be willing, you know, uh, to, to actually see what happens, um, be an experimenter in your own life. Um, and it may not work. My hypothesis is that if you if you are truly trusting your urge, doing the work to trust yourself, um, and not just blindly listening to experts because that is what we've been taught that we're supposed to do, um, then when you try it on, often it's going to work and it's going to be really fucking amazing. <laughs> but we could still get it wrong. Like we, we make mistakes all the time. Mistakes aren't bad. Mistakes are information and we can learn from them and we can, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a way it's an attitude of play. It's a way to like 
play with life, enjoy life, um, to just see, okay, what if I, if I did that? Or what if I do that? What happens? And then see what happens and then kind of let that lead you, let that inform your next decisions. So that's kind of what I'm doing, learning to follow my own lead and trust my urge and uh, and owning that I have a truth that could be real for me. And, and oh, the last thing I wanted to say, and this was, so I talked two weeks ago about the idea that we don't, war is never the answer. And this has been helping me so much in this realm. Going back to the idea of resisting the, the temptation to convince, um, if there are infinite possibilities, if my truth could be true for me and your truth could be true for you, then that's okay. And like, we don't have to go to a war. I, I don't have to convince you of anything. You don't have to convince me of anything. Um, even if our truths seem to be at odds, um, as long as we are respecting each other's boundaries and, and kind of that, that middle ground of like, am I doing this because I'm, it's what I'm supposed to do and, and following those questions where they lead, then I'm good. <laughs> and like, um, and if you don't agree with me, so what happens, what can happen is like you, you have like, what has happened in my life is I have a piece about this and I feel good. And this person I love over here, super thinks another way. And, uh, and in the past, I would have felt really strongly that there's something wrong with that, that, that like, I need, like, I, they, they're being duped or that I need to convince them or that they're going to shame me or, you know, whatever it is. And I don't feel that way anymore um, because I can let it be. My truth doesn't have to be – what it really is is an is a owning of my truth and – I don't have to feel threatened by anybody else's truth. And the thing is, maybe they're right. Maybe I'm right. Maybe there's only one truth. Um, I mean, like, maybe anything in the world, but, like, I don't have to fight them about it. Like, that's the bottom line. Um, what is true will bear fruit, right? So um, if I'm wrong, it's okay because I live in a in a – universe that offers me infinite, you know, chances to, to get it right. And, um, and, and if they're wrong, it's okay too, because I can love them exactly where they are. And, uh, and maybe what they need right now is not me to convince them of my way, but to, um, to be a friend or, or a you know, a lover or, you know, a loved one. And, uh, that's cool too. I can do that. So, and it's like a lot less work for me. <laughs> um, yeah. So I hope this made sense. I feel like I was kind of like all over the place and going back and forth and I hope this was helpful, but, um, I would love to hear from you where it lands and, and how, 
how it hits and uh, and what feels true for you of what I said and what doesn't. I'd love to hear if you disagree. Um, and I'm learning to live in a space where it's okay uh, that we all have different places that we're at right now. And it's okay if you agree too. And if you agree and you're like, this is fucking amazing, please share. Please leave a review especially if you're listening on iTunes. Uh, And uh, thank you for listening to Throwing Light. Namaste.